All right, well, let's begin. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I'm going to begin reading in uh, Mark chapter 15, Mark chapter 15. And uh, we're going to read uh, quite a bit to draw the picture, paint the picture here. And uh, so you turn to Mark 15, and I'm going to uh, just read to you while you're turning there, Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Uh, then Jesus took the twelve aside and said, the, t- said to them, Behold, we're going to Jerusalem, and all these things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus was not dead for three days. Oh, that's a real rude way to get people to be quiet. No, it says he'll rise the third day. So some people kind of get confused. So, you know, he died on Friday. Well, not their Friday, but, you know, he, he died on our Friday. And then he, he was dead, actually went to hell and conquered hell uh, in that time. And then he rose again on the third day. So the first day was Friday. The second day would be like Saturday, and the third day is Sunday. So he wasn't actually gone for three 24-hour periods. So because sometimes people will, the enemy will, their minds and sometimes the enemy will be like, well, he, he wasn't, you know, dead for three days. It says he was dead for three days. No, it says he rose again on the third day. He died and he rose again on the third day. You know, and, uh, you know, in, in that time when you'd pass away, you know, they didn't have the fancy embalming techniques that we have now. And so um, when he died... On the cross, actually, when they, they speared him in the side, it said like, like water came out. That's because of a, uh, would be water and blood clots came out, but it wasn't actually water. It's a condition that happens in death. Uh, uh, and so, anyhow, he was totally dead. And when they went there, they wrapped him in the grave cloths. And it says that they put a napkin like over his face, right? And so then when he rose again, they went to the tomb. And when they went into the tomb... It said they saw the grave clothes, and then it says that they saw the napkin folded up. Don't you love? My wife's not. Where did she go? Anyhow, don't you love the detail of the Lord that he folded the napkin that was over his face? Like he put it, and he folded it. He's like, okay, let me just take care of that. But you know, in that day, when they would wrap you in the, in the, the grave clothes and they would put the, the uh, oils and stuff on you and the perfumes on your body, not you because it's just your body, do you know it would actually harden, kind of like a paper mache. And so the only part that was left open and visible was where the napkin would go. So you think when these people from that culture went in, the disciples, and they saw the grave clothes. It's like a shell. (laughs) But there's no body in the shell. And the napkin is folded nicely. Where is my wife? Anyhow, you don't have to go find her. It's It's just folded nicely on the side. So, you know, the disciples knew Like somebody didn't go steal the body. He rose again. 
All right, so I kind of went ahead of myself. So let's go to Mark chapter 15. And we're going to pick up at a, at a amazing place because he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. You know, so when you think of physically what Jesus had to go through, it's not like the favorite thing to necessarily read. But when you understand why he went through it and who he went through it for, it's pretty amazing to understand that he loved you so much. And I'm not talking just you that are Christians. I'm talking every person on the face of the earth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, I like that, Anybody, anywhere, anytime till Christ returns, second time, whoever would believe that would not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, so the, I, I titled this message, A New Kind of Life. A New Kind of Life. And so... As we read what Christ went through, never forget that when he rose from the dead, I have to quote Pastor Mark Hankins. When Christ rose from the dead, he wasn't just overcoming, my favorite part, rigor mortis. It wasn't just he had a stiff body. And if you ever had the unpleasant experience of touching a dead body, you will know like it stiffens pretty quick. So he wasn't just overcoming natural death. Now, every sickness and every disease was placed upon him, but he didn't have every sickness and every disease that was placed upon him. But even if he had a sickness and disease and died and was raised again, he wasn't just overcoming a sickness and a disease. So what was placed on him, you know, there was no sickness and no disease in the world anywhere until sin came into the world, until Adam sinned. You know, no sickness, no disease. And Adam had to work, but not from the toil uh, it was enjoyable. You ever enjoy your job? Now, if you work at Dave's shop, don't say anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> smile and wave, smile and wave. No. No, you, you, you there are, there, especially if you're doing what you're gifted by God to do, there is such fulfillment in that. But sometimes, you know, like uh, we have a garden and, you know, the weeds are starting to grow already. And I'm kind of like, wow, you know, I'm thinking about, Adam brought me the weeds. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. And so, um, in Christ, we can overcome all of that. We have dominion. We have restored dominion through Christ. You know, there is the first Adam, which we all know and we all want to talk to when we get to heaven. 
and just discuss some things. Why did you do that? Well, I suppose if the Lord lets him know something about you, he'd say, remember that time you kind of fleshed out? <laughs> I'm no different than you. Okay. <laughs> but then there's a second Adam, and that's Jesus is the second Adam. So the first Adam sinned, and by that sin, death entered the world. And every sickness is the beginning stages of death if it does not get stopped. You, know, you ever know someone that has a, a condition where their body can't fight off sickness and disease? Well, they don't want to be around, and the doctors for sure don't want them around anybody that has any type of illness because what normal bodies would just fight off, their body would be overcome by and could kill them. So uh, every sickness and every disease was placed on Jesus on the cross. The root source of all of that, the sin of the whole world, was placed on Jesus on the cross. And so when he rose from the dead, he wasn't just overcoming rigor mortis. He was overcoming, thank you for laughing. He was overcoming the, the weight and the penalty for every sin of the whole world. Imagine what kind of man he was. And is that one man would have the capacity to receive every sin that you and every other person on the earth has ever done and not be overcome by it, but overcome it. So the Bible says that if Satan would have understood what was going to happen. When he crucified Jesus, it says he never would have done it. So you know this is pretty significant. This is like the ultimate, you know, deception. Satan was deceived. You can come. Satan was deceived. You're waiting for me to move over here. Does that make you feel better? <clears throat> so... Uh, my wife just came back in, so. And that day they would like wrap the bodies in this cloth and they just leave this open, okay? And that cloth would only be like a paper mache because they put, you know, fluids and stuff on it, ointments and all that stuff and stuff. And so Jesus, when he rose from the dead, when they went to see in the, in the tomb, the napkin that was on his face, it said, was folded and put to the side nicely. Yes, nicely. <laughs> But the thing is, like, the shell of the, of the grave clothes was still there. Study it. Like in, like, paper mache type of form. It was, like, hardened because it hardens. That would help with the smells and some different things like that, right? So you see, like, there's just this opening. So he came out through that opening, and then he took the napkin and folded it nicely on the side. So I was wanting you to hear that. She's so merciful to me. <laughs> so Jesus wasn't just overcoming natural death. Right. 
He was overcoming the source of all death. And the fact that mankind had been born into sin and born into death. God told Adam, you know, in the day that you eat that, you will die. Well, he didn't die physically that day, but death began in his body that day. Otherwise, he'd still be walking on earth today. Okay, so let's, let's go here. Mark chapter 15, Jesus is beaten. Start with verse 15. So Pilate, so I want you, as we're, as we're reading this, I want you to understand like this was not for himself except for in his heart was you. He loved you. So he was doing this for you. He didn't need this. He was doing just fine in heaven. But Colossians said, then he, he laid aside his mighty power and glory and became just like you, a mere human. The only difference is he was born of the Holy Spirit, not the seed of man. Because for some reason, that's how sin passes, is through the seed of man. Make you feel special. So Pilate, wanting uh, to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. When the soldiers, why was he crucified and scourged for you? Uh, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! They struck him on the head with a reed and spit on him, and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off of him, put on his own clothes, and led him out to crucify him. Uh, Then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a a, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, and he was coming out of the country and passing to bear his cross, and they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. And there they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. Now, let me pause for a second. So Satan, if he had known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. But why did he crucify him? Why couldn't he see that? Well, the disciples couldn't see it because it wasn't revealed. But you know, like, pride originates from the devil. And pride will blind you. And so Satan said, I will actually exalt my throne above the throne of God. So, you know, he actually thought, I won. I'm crucifying God's only son. I got God. This is great. Let me show how I'm going to treat him. I'm going to scourge him. I'm going to despise him. I'm going to totally and utterly dominate him. And thank God he did. Because you realize no man and no demon and Satan himself did not take Jesus' life from him. The Bible says he freely gave up his life. So he freely yielded to all of this. Why? Because at every point that the enemy 
that he yielded so the enemy could overpower him and overtake him so that even to the point that he ends up in hell, that there would not be an individual anywhere that the devil had the power to overcome if they would just rely on Jesus Christ. Because that one man, Adam, in Genesis, messed it up for every single one of us. But the one man, Jesus, about 2,000 years ago, came and conquered him in every aspect and every facet of, of the devil's wisdom, of the devil's power, of the devil's ability, of the devil's kingdom. Jesus took every bit of that on himself. And Acts chapter 2 says, death could not hold him because it is not possible that death could hold him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So some people get really nervous, like you say Jesus went to hell. No, I didn't say that. The Bible says Jesus went to hell. Excuse me. Jesus went to hell. He had to. And he overcame the devil, not only in every aspect now, But even the final death, he overcame the devil in all of the devil's work because he loves you. Because he has mercy on you. So when Jesus was scourged, when Jesus was mistreated, be thankful and look to Jesus. But understand, when you're being mistreated, Christ has overcome that for you. So you don't have to sit there under the weight of that. You're like, he scourged for me. I overcome by the blood of the lamb and what? The word of my testimony. Jesus said, actually, if they mistreated and persecuted me, they're going to mistreat and persecute you. So how can, you, how can you do that? You overcome on the inside. Was it Viktor Franco, Nazi concentration camp survivor? He said the last thing that no man can take from you is the ability to choose your attitude. They took everything else from me. And don't think I haven't thought about it. In the days in which we live, We win. No one can ever take from you the life of Christ that is on the inside of you. The worst thing they can do is kill you. I got a friend who just went to heaven a week ago today. She's 40 years old. She's up there with Jesus. Death is the last enemy, Jesus said, that will be put underfoot. So she's up there in heaven right now. Why? Because she had Christ in her heart. Because she has Christ in her heart. It don't matter. The worst thing that comes, she's in heaven. Kind of disappointing for those of us that are here. But it's not disappointing for her. Let me tell you, she's doing very well. (laughs) Verse 24. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour that they crucified him, and the inscription of his accusation was written above. 
the king of the Jews. With him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Man, there's so many messages here, but we're going to keep going. (laughs) Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's like 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama, I don't know how to say that, sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that said, look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come uh, and take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. So up to this point, the presence of God was in the, in the temple in the most holy place, which was behind this curtain, which this, his history historians tell us is like a foot thick and about 18 foot tall. And so the Bible says it was ripped in two from the top to the bottom, not the bottom to the top, but the top to the bottom, it was ripped in two. Signifying that God in his presence would no longer live just in the temple and it would just be the high priest who could go in there, but now the presence of God actually would come out and then once Christ rose from the dead, anyone who believed in him would become a brand new creature to such an extent that God's spirit himself would come and live on the inside of the believer. So that now you're not like trying to, you know, get cozy with the high priest. Tell me what it's like when you go in the presence of God. No, you can know yourself. Because the high priest would only go into that most holy place once a year. And he would offer blood for the sins, his own sins, and the sins of all the people. And so once a year, he'd go in there with that. And he went in with, with uh, great fear, actually, because uh, uh, some of the writers say that the high priest would actually have a, a rope tied around their foot and bells. So that if the, if the bells stopped um, ringing... Then the people would, uh, after a little bit, pull on the rope because maybe that priest died because of sin. So it was a fearful thing to be in the presence of God and have sin. In fact, sin cannot enter the presence of God. So you had to come by blood. And so Jesus, in Hebrews 2, we learn that Jesus entered 
after he died on the cross, and before um, he, he, well, he saw Mary Magdalene, and he said, don't touch me, don't handle me, you know, because she's like, are you a spirit? And he, 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 said, he said, feel me. He said, spirit doesn't have a flesh and bone as you, as you feel me have. But his blood, he had taken to the most holy place and offered it one time for everyone. So not once a year, not once a decade, not once a century, not once a millennia, but his blood once for all and for all time was offered in the most holy place. All right, verse 20, 42. Now, when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, this is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body of Joseph. Then he brought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in the tomb, which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled the stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of uh, Joseph, observed where he was laid. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salmon, brought spices uh, that they might anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb uh, when the sun had risen, and they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those <clears throat> who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, he appeared to the... Don't you love, like, people that you're training are learning so well? Full of faith. Later, he appeared to the, to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he, he had risen. And he said to them, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out uh, demons, They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. Hallelujah. So when Jesus rose from the dead, 
He rose as the second Adam to defeat the power of sin and death and the devil in every form and every manifestation. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief has come but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. There is a new kind of life and it is resurrection life. Jesus, the Bible says, was the firstborn from among the dead. I like uh, Daisy Osborne. Uh, she went to heaven many years ago. But she taught a message. I'll never forget the title. And I love that message. And the title of the message was, Never Too Dead for a Resurrection. <laughs> never Too Dead for a Resurrection. Are you dead this morning? I'm talking about, are you dead? Some people are dead while they're living. Do you understand that? Sometimes you're just going through the motions, going through life, but really, you're dead on the inside. I mean, what's the purpose? What's the reason? Well, Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life. What is this life? What is this life? Jesus said, I came that you would have this life and this overflowing more than enough. There is a place of reality that you come into, that you touch and that you experience when you make Jesus your Lord. And it doesn't matter what any man, any woman, any child, any beast, any animal, any demon tries to do to you. You have such a life on the inside that's an overcoming life. That is a spirit of faith kind of life. That is a God on the inside kind of life. It's actually God's life and God's nature that comes to live inside of any man or any woman who would take for one second look at their life and see the direction that their life is headed and recognize that God raised Jesus from the dead for anyone, anywhere, at any time who would receive him in their heart, believe that, and make him Lord of their life. Amen. For any man, any woman, anywhere, who would say, you know what? I don't want to live the same way anymore. I don't even enjoy this life. Isn't life more than the clothes you wear? Isn't life more than the car or cars you drive? Isn't life more than the house or houses that you have and that you live in? Isn't life more than the money? Isn't life more than material things? Please tell me it's more than material things. Because material things are some of the most shallow things you could ever put your trust in. They will rust. They will rot. They will be eaten. They can be stolen. But Jesus Christ himself brings to mankind... Something that's so much more valuable. Something that lasts so much longer. It actually has no end. The endless life. The Bible actually calls it the power of an endless life. And when you meet Jesus, you come in contact with the power of an endless life. I want you to stand with me. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to meet my best friend in the whole world, and his name is Jesus. He goes with me everywhere I go. I don't always listen to him, but I should. But you know, he lives on the inside. 
And even when I do stupid stuff, and even when, when pressures and the things we all have to deal with in life get overwhelming, if I just for one second looked on the inside where he lives in every believer, he's right there with a message of peace, shows the way out. He's not there to condemn me. He's not there to, you know, just be like, what is wrong with you? Now, sometimes he'll be like, stop acting like that. Just get up. I didn't make you that way. That's not who you are. But he's never, never condemned me. And he never will. And he will not condemn you. Satan will condemn you. You will condemn yourself. Other people will condemn you. But Jesus Christ looks at you and he sees you with eyes of mercy. And he sees you with eyes of grace. The Bible says in Romans, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It says that the godly died for the ungodly. Don't make the mistake of thinking, yeah, pastor, I know my life's not what it should be. I should come back to God. I know I should come to God. But as soon as I straighten up, as soon as I get everything in order, then I'll do that. Well, most importantly, I don't care how disciplined, how educated, how amazing you are. If you mess up at one point, the Bible says you're guilty of all of it. God's not looking for you to be perfect. That's not even possible on this side. But he is looking for someone perfect. And that man is Jesus Christ. And what you do to become a part of God's own family is you bank your whole life. You take the weight of your entire life, everything you are, and everything that you dream to be. And you just roll it all over on Jesus. You say, I'm going to trust Jesus with everything that I am, everything that I have, every, all of my hopes and all of my dreams. And you know, he'll do so much better than you ever could. So we can't clean ourselves up to come to God or we can't present ourselves as though like, well, we don't even need the Lord. No, we need him. I need him. You need him. And to become part of the family of God, you just, from your heart, you believe that Christ died on the cross for you. Yeah, other people, but salvation is very personal. Christ died for me. God raised Jesus from the dead for me. I do believe that with my heart. Your head can have all kinds of thoughts, but it's what you believe in your heart. Somebody said, how do I locate my heart? Well, if you're married or want to be married, you have kids, close friends, it's where you tell them that you love them and you actually mean it. It's where you forgive from when you actually mean it. You know, like somebody did something wrong to you and you're actually going to release them from that. You don't do that mentally. If you're doing it the right way, you do it from your heart. And so with Let's all uh, close our eyes, bow our heads. Each person, examine your own heart. 
I don't care if, if everybody here believes that I am a Christian, the pastor. Talk about the pastor. If I don't believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and I have never confessed him as my Lord, I could preach the gospel to you and still go to hell. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. But Adam sinned and messed up. But Jesus, thank God, came back and delivered us from the power of that sin and made a way that every single person that believes with their heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and declares with their mouth, you're kind of setting a stake in the ground. You're saying, Jesus is my Lord. I'm turning my whole life over to him. If you do that from your heart, God will hear that prayer. God will answer that prayer. And what will happen is he will come on the inside of you by his spirit and he will make you a brand new person on the inside. And you will have a life come on the inside of you like you have never experienced. It's an endless life. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning in person, maybe you're online, and you want to do that, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord. What you're saying when you respond to this is, you're saying, I don't want to live for myself any longer. I want to live for Jesus Christ. What you're saying is, I want my life to count. What you're saying is, I want to be forgiven of my sins. I don't want to live in this anymore. I want to be free. I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're just going to pray right at your seats. And uh, same thing if you're home, we're just praying right where you're at. But we're going to pray together. Believers are going to pray with those who would like to become a believer. And this will be the turning point of your life. None of us have a guarantee of another breath. But when you receive Jesus as your Lord, you receive eternal life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just slip up your hand so I can see him. Thank you, Lord. And now we're going to pray this prayer together. Say this. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to take away my sins and to make me right with you. Jesus, I receive you as my Lord, as my Savior. I give you my whole life. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you. Father God, thank you that I am now saved. I'm a part of your family. That you take care of me. That you lead me. And you guide me. Thank you that I'll never again be alone. Because your spirit lives in me. Thank you for raising Jesus. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen.